Hello, I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the June 14, 2021 edition of Digging Out. We are collectively clearing the debris from the last four days, four weeks, four years, and since the dawn of the Anthropocene, the industrial era. I'd now like to resume with part two of my interview taped on June 5th with Andrew Behar. Andrew Behar is the CEO of As You Sow for over a decade. Over these last 30 years, Andrew's been a strategist in the clean tech communications and life science sectors. Previous to As You Sow, Andrew founded and was CEO of a startup developing innovative fuel cell technologies, served as a chief operations officer for a social media agency focused on sustainability and has been a strategic consultant in the nonprofit sector. He is a member of the board of U.S. Social Investing Forum, a member of the U.N. Sustainable Stock Exchange Green Finance Advisory Group, an advisory group member of One Earth Institute and Real Impact Tracker. His book, The Shareholders Action Guide, Unleash Your Hidden Powers to Hold Corporations Accountable, is a tool I recommend, and Andrew will have in part two other reading assignments for us. He joined me in his Berkeley home, and I welcome you all to part two of my interview with Andrew Bahar. So other news, even right this week, is the International Energy Agency, as, a, as it's called it was in the New York Times yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a very clubby setting. And I don't know if they're they're responding to what Maersk, they have 80% of the world trade and they are advocating, Maersk is, supporting a $150 a ton carbon tax as a pressure for all international transport firms to reconsider their motor fuel. So I want, is there a relationship between what the International Energy Agency is doing and are they responding to what Maersk is trying to to leverage here? So the IEA, you know, the the IEA is an interesting organization because, you know, just a few weeks ago, they put out the new report saying that we must stop all drilling for fossil fuels, that there is no need to do this anymore. So if the oil companies are actually going to take the IEA scenarios into account, then they need to really remodel, rethink their strategy. And, and that's what I think they're doing. I mean, certainly the Europeans are doing it. Uh, the Danish natural gas company is no longer in the business of natural gas. They're in the business of offshore wind. It's changed its name to Orsted, uh, Repsol, Total. Uh, basically, the Europeans, are just, they're always ahead of the US. And so they're actually adapting, transforming their business in order to deliver energy you know, for the 21st century. Whereas Exxon, Chevron, and the American companies, they just keep on thinking it's 1970 and that uh, price of oil is going to come back up and the demand for oil is going to return, even though Ford just announced the all-electric F-150. We have electric Mustang. Well, Ford's going to go all-electric, as is GM. With tight deadlines, really seriously tight deadlines. Well, they have to be competitive. I mean, they, right, right. But I mean, thing. that they're really moving up the calendar like never we've never seen. Well, they're going to go out of business if they don't, because nobody wants internal combustion engines anymore. They are just simply, you know, they're just obsolete. Uh, you know, China's not going to want them. India doesn't want them. The whole world doesn't want them anymore. So the, the age of the internal combustion engine is over, done. So now let's adapt to it. And if we're smart, 
we'll transform our business and stay in business uh, or we're going to wind down. It's we're, we're at that point now. It's like, you know, I mean, when, you know, what can I say when John D. Rockefeller's, you know, standard oil started to, you know, sell kerosene oil, the people who continued to invest in whaling fleets lost a lot of money. And that's what's going to happen here. We're at that transformation where oil is no longer in demand. Internal combustion engines are obsolete. And, 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 and the bottom line is you can make a kilowatt of energy. It's less expensive to make a kilowatt of energy with renewables than it is with coal or gas or, you know, or a fossil fuel. So, of course, the market's going to go for the less expensive alternative. It's the markets are driving this. It's that's demand. And that's what the IEA is saying. The IEA is, you know, if you, they lay out their scenario and they go, this is, this is the demand. This, this is what we're seeing. And the oil companies that ignore it will simply wind down. But that's why the boards need to replace the management that isn't adapting. And if the board won't do that, then shareholders have to intervene and replace the board. Ultimately, so ultimately shareholders own these companies. The board reports to us. And so if we need to, we have to replace the board that's not taking control of these matters. So I'd like to know, Andrew, if you would speak to whether American universities, business schools are doing their job to, to see what's, what's going and what's happening in this moment, what's been happening in their acculturating their, the, these business elites. The short answer is they are not adapting, that the professors, the curriculum is still teaching the old school, the, the just the Milton Friedman school. In fact, I did a lecture at the University of Chicago about Ooh, three, three weeks ago. The home office, the grounds zero. Yeah, it was actually kind of interesting because I one of my slides in my usual deck just talking about shareholder power and about impact investing and all that stuff, literally my slide says, throw Uncle Milton under the bus, like in just big text, just a whole slide. No and picture. No, just, but most of my slides are just like big graphic words. And so, and I saw the faces on Zoom and I said, no one's told you? And I could see that the University of Chicago hadn't let people know that Uncle Milton's been thrown under the bus, that there's, that his theories are no longer considered to be uh, viable and actually are, are considered to be quite responsible for the destruction of our ecosystems and our social fabric that um, that the Chicago School of Economics is really looked on as, well, the thought center, the think tank of global destruction. And so it was it was kind of an interesting moment um, where I looked around and said, no one's told you. And I could see in their faces, no one had told them. And so I said, well, let me tell you. And so I got to be the person to tell this, you know, it was a fairly big lecture hall. Uh, that 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 the philosophy has shifted. That a company, a more successful company, is going to be one that adopts stakeholder capitalism, and and actually implements it fully and across and, and holistically. So, what's interesting though is that we're working now with some smaller colleges to develop curriculum to teach this to actually and these colleges. There's a group called the Intentional Endowment Network, a very dear ally of ours. They go and they train endowment trustees about, um, well, it really started with divesting fossil fuels. So all these students were having you know, these uprisings at all the colleges. Back in 2011, we, we were training organizers and putting them on college campuses, 350 
Bill McKibben brilliantly, you know, spread that to 350 campuses. And so the endowments had to deal with what do we do? How do we divest? And the Intentional Endowment Network would go in and train them on this. Well, they're now going beyond that. So many of these endowments are now actually uh, doing impact investing. They've actually have divested and they've reduced their risk to fossil fuels, which meant that they didn't lose as much money during the whole downturn over the last decade. So it's been a very successful strategy uh, in terms of just financial returns it just and, and risk avoidance. So we're working with a small college called Warren Wilson College in North Carolina. Yep. And, and they're amazing. They have been doing impact investing now. And we've actually started now voting their proxies. As you so has a new proxy voting service. It sits on the Broadridge Proxy Edge platform called As You Vote. And Warren Wilson was really our first customer client to subscribe to our guidelines. And so we're voting all of their proxies in a very progressive way. And now we're also working with them, their, their, their professors, to develop curriculum that is embedded in, into a, a, across the whole, the whole curriculum. So it's not just a add-on class like I did at University of Chicago or I do at Cal or Stanford. And I mean, most of my, our staff, we have a, we were subject matter experts. So we get called on to do these guest lectures, but they're actually embedding these ideas into, well, the finance class and the auditing class and the mergers and acquisitions class and everything, all the, everything in the business school is now going to also going to be looking at it from a perspective of sustainability of holistic uh, corporate social responsibility about how the company is, is viewed in, in terms of its brand. And it's, um, I think this is the trend and I think this is what business schools should be teaching. In addition, there is a, an oath, it's called the MBA oath, very much like doctors take the Hippocratic oath to do no harm. Well, in 2008, after the big collapse, a group of MBA students and professors wrote this book called the MBA Oath. And in short, what it says is, we will use capital to solve the world's problems. And for a while, MBA students were taking this oath that it wasn't about, I'm getting this degree to hoard as much money and isolate myself as I can. It's about using the power of capital to solve the world's problems. And once that idea really seeps into a student who's deciding what to do with their career, it, I think it's life-changing. I think it changes their whole reason for being at a corporation, for working in business, for working in finance. And I think that that's critical, that, that this next generation is trained in that way. So I guess I'm imagining, I'm fantasizing, this is my second to last question, that you could, Andrew, convene not just business school deans, but let's let's have them bring along their chancellors or presidents, whatever the, the title is of their universities, and like one board of trustee member from major universities and just convene that group as opposed to the University of Chicago students and get this job done. Well, IEN, Intentional Endowment Network, that's what they do. And that is okay. what they're doing. I'm okay. actually speaking at a, uh, in about two weeks, they're having a conference of 300 uh, wow. in, endowment trustees, and I'm going to be speaking, and three of my staff are going to be holding workshops on racial justice, on climate change, 
diversity, equity, inclusion. And I'm personally going to hold a, a workshop on 403B plans. Okay. So, so no, IEN is amazing. And they are, they are the convener of this. And, and here's the other part is that all the universities in Canada are also organizing to do this. And they're working with a group up there called SHARE, S-H-A-R-E, to actually uh, use the power of their share ownership to engage companies and file resolutions. And we're talking now between a US-based and a Canadian-based to create a consortium of, you know, of a North American-based. If you can get all the endowments and all the universities wow. to be working in concert, then you have something that's, that, that's powerful. And that when you go talk to a company and that group's behind you, the company takes notice. And, and just another thing we didn't talk about is this year's shareholders. I talked about how you know, BlackRock and, and Vanguard and those folks are, are voting. Um, it seems we'll wait until their, you know, their statements come out later in the year. But I mean, we had a 98% vote at General Electric on climate change. We had the highest vote ever when a company opposes an environmental resolution at DuPont on plastic pollution, 81%. We had an 82% vote on diversity, equity, inclusion at Union Pacific, a 60% at American Express, and our first ever racial justice resolution had a 40% vote at Abbott. So this and, year has been off the charts. Berkshire so, Hathaway. So Berkshire is interesting. So we found the diversity, equity, and inclusion there. If you exclude Warren Buffett, we had uh, 54% of the vote. If you include Warren Buffett, it was 27%. So Warren decided, voted against our resolution, which he frankly shouldn't. He should have been saying, because all we're asking for is disclosure. I mean, the resolution is, tell us what's going on so that we can figure out how to get to where we want to go. It's kind of, you know, we know where we want to be in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion. But if you don't know where you are, it's like you don't have your GPS coordinates and you can't plot a route. And so that's all we're asking is, where are you? so that we can then identify best practices and get us to an, another, um, another place. So, but uh, we'll, we'll keep working on them. Um, and there's more, and there's, then you anticipate more action in months, in the month of June and July with Caterpillar, GM, Valero, and United Airlines. So we're going to keep watching that shareholder yes. activity from over here. But first, for those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to Digging Out. And my guest is Andrew Behar, CEO of As You Sow. We're recording this on June 5th. And along with their coalitions of, of many, many types of organizations that, as you saw, has been having an amazing season. So, but there's one sector, I'm not sure if you are already attending to this, there's been some major hacks, they're increasing, of uh, major hacks of corporation cybersecurity. Is that an element that, as you saw, is concerned about? We're concerned, but it's not something that we're filing resolutions about. We're, um, that's more of an internal uh, corporate, you know, security issue that, that is very concerning. Uh, and we're in, in, we are filing resolutions at organizations like Facebook around hate speech, uh, allies of ours at Proxy Impact, uh, Michael Passoff filed around um, child pornography. I mean, Facebook is the global center for child pornography and Mark Zuckerberg does nothing about it. He could stop it in one day if he said, I care about this. He could stop hate speech and they've done some work, but then they pulled it back. 
you know, Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg is really a problem. Um, I got to tell you, because he is untouchable because he owns, he has a 10 to one voting preference. And so even if we get every other shareholder at Facebook to vote for our resolutions, still he will, will only get about a 40% vote. So he's just, um, what can I say? He started an organization to bring people together. And what he has is the world's leading organization at tearing people apart. He's just, he's off the rails. Facebook is, is off the rails and uh, is really a dangerous and in a very dangerous position. So um, I, I appreciate your calling that out. And I'm, I'm watching that on so many different levels, but that I'm concerned about the cybersecurity mm-hmm. fragility in how those externalities really reverberate throughout, you know, the distribution of utilities, financial uh, data, personal identities that could be, uh, that are also fragile, also many things that are fragile. If this hacking gets- But but notice where the hacking's happening. Um, I would advise that you read a book uh, by Kim Stanley Robinson called Ministry of the Future. And my question is, is this the children of Kali? And that's a reference to the book. And if it is, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of a different take on, on it. Because look at what's getting attacked. Pipelines, meatpacking. I mean, look, look, look at the impact that it's having. So re- read Ministry for the Future, and you may have a better perspective on what's going on for real. Oh, my. Oh, my. I am so glad we got that in there. So, um, well, we're going to follow your forum. I guess the public is invited to join your clubhouse app with the July finding a path to racial justice that you postponed. Yeah, we, we decided to postpone that because we're, we're updating the, uh, the data set. We're actually adding five new key performance indicators on environmental justice. And so we wanted to time it with when those come out because we're, we're adding more, more KPIs, which will basically shift all the scores of the top 10, bottom 10. So we wanted to wait in, until we do that. If you go to our website, asyouso.org, A-S-Y-O-U-S-O-W.org, right on the front page, we do an annual event called Backstage at the Proxies, where we tell the stories of what went on in the back rooms. And we it's framed as an Oscar show. So it's it's kind of fun. I'm joining. But it also talks about very serious issues. Um, click on that. Please come to the event. It's going to be, it's a lot of fun. And then we're also having an after party. We've built a virtual world where everybody would will uh, design an avatar. And then you can roam around a world where we have, we have an ocean, we have a beachfront, we have a farm, we have a space station for each of our programs. So the you know the beach is all about ocean plastics. The farm is about food systems. The um, the space station is all about social justice. And you actually get you can actually move around. And when you get near another avatar, their video and audio fades up. So it's kind of like interacting in the real world. Like you can overhear a conversation and then join it. It's it's a lot of fun. And I'm here to attest to how, as you so, does such amazing work in the background that uh, you all prepare such amazing forums. It's such a learning experience. And we get perspective, we get grounding, we get uh, so much out of the work that all of you do. So it's all, all these are incredible resources for listeners to pick up on and, and broaden your uh, impact, folks. That's all you have to do and, and clear more debris with us. 
So I thank you so much, Andrew, for talking with us today on Digging Out. It's been another really edifying round and there's so many other things, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at this and hopefully have you back at a later date after July at some point. Yeah, it'll be my absolute pleasure. And again, thank you for the invitation and thank you for the work that you do and for bringing this out to people because communicating what's going on is as important as the underlying work as people start to really understand it and embrace it and realize that they're part of it and that there's so much that they can do. There's so much power that every person listening has that they might not realize and that they're abdicating this power by not realizing it. So use the power, use your power as as an investor, use the power uh, as a customer of all these companies and the signals that are sent are powerful. Thank you for that refrain. My guest was CEO of As You Sow, Andrew Behar. And thank you again, Andrew. All the best. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Next week is some more fine programming. Talk with you next week. Thank you, everyone, for listening.